1: In my teenage years, when things were tough, I was getting picked on at school, and I was quite an angry girl. I just kind of thought, my life sucks. You know, if if God's real, how could any of this stuff have happened to me? And um, it was sort of when I got sick, I mentioned that I only had my eyes out recently. Uh, I listened to a lot of sermons and read a lot of the scriptures during that time, and I thought, I really want to learn more about this. The The Story.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today, we have one about a topic I knew very little about. That is, what is it like to go through life without being able to see? Kim Black was born blind and will share her life journey and some of the unique challenges she faces on an everyday basis. She was raised with Christian values, but rebelled against God in her teenage years. But now, she says her spiritual eyes have been opened and that she can see, but just in a different way. Kim Black Along with her mother Sue, are having a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios.
2: Well, you know, I've been using this same studio here on the east side of Melbourne for over ten years, and I'm pretty comfortable here in the studio. But the other day, I had such a fright. I turned on the computer, and I heard this: Desktop Folder View List
1: View Express Scribe Transcription Software Update. 17 and, and,
2: and I was like what in the world is that well our guest today Kim black who was born blind and her mother Sue is with us and they're going to tell us well actually Kim's going to tell us what exactly I was hearing and why it freaked me out and who's this person going blah, 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 blah. Kim and sue welcome to the program
1: thanks Eric uh, yeah that was uh, my talking software that I've got on my computer uh, basically reads out what's on the screen for me Um yeah. So it enables me to navigate the computer just without reading the screen.
2: So this special software was put on this computer. I forgot all about that. You know, I was told, yes, there's going to be somebody blind who is going to be using the studio, yeah. but I didn't know exactly what that meant. And all of a sudden I come in here and I'm hearing this. Blah, 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 blah. Now, <laughs> why is it necessary for this person to talk so fast or what is that?
1: Yeah, I've been using a talking computer for a long time, and uh, those American accents, they get on my nerves. I'd really like an Australian <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> Okay, I will try not to be offended by this.
1: <laughs> yeah, just try not to be too American, um, and if you do, speak fast. That's
2: but, right. So, so if I talk like this, this will make you feel at home.
1: Uh, yeah, well, that's pretty normal.
2: <laughs> okay, so, um, <laughs> so the whole thing, if I understand this right, correct me, Kim, if I'm getting this wrong, the whole idea is that you are able to hear things at fast speed that – Someone like myself, I it just sounds like blah, 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 blah to me, but you can understand this?
1: I can, yeah. I guess you've got to train your ear and as I mentioned that um before I've been using the that program for quite a long time, so you get used to it. But yeah, I can understand that.
2: So you've basically trained your ear to hear in triple time. Pretty much. Okay. Well that's that's remarkable. I have hard enough time just listening in regular time, but that's my challenge. <laughs> yeah,
3: it can be slowed down. To, it can, it um, can be slowed speed, down. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, thank, thank you for speaking in my speed so I can carry this conversation. Now, Sue, you're her mother. Yes. We want to go all the way back to the very beginning. Well, well let's talk about when Kim was born.
3: Yeah, well, initially when she was born, we didn't realize there was anything wrong with her eyes. I, I had noticed that she hadn't got a lot of control over her eye movement but didn't think too much of it. It was just uh, a routine check at our GP that uh, he was on the ball and um, picked up the same thing and uh, decided to refer us to a paediatrician who then said, oh, I think there is something not quite right with her eyes. So then we were referred to an eye specialist. So um, from the time we initially thought, yeah, okay, there's something not right to a diagnosis, she was about six months old by then. So it it was quite a while. And I guess as time went, And got closer to that six months, we realized something wasn't, you know, really wasn't right, especially when I was seeing other kids her age, and they were achieving milestones that she wasn't, you know, Mm. I I think that's when it was sort of, you know, drummed home, okay, there is an issue here. Okay,
2: and Kim is your second child?
3: Yes, that's right, yep.
2: Now, Kim, you can't remember any of this, this is why we're talking (laughs) to your mother. There were, there were there were some issues um, between her relationship with her father.
3: Um, yeah, well, it was just, um, you know, it kind of fell into place after the event, but um, she wasn't a happy baby, which, you know, again, I thought I was. What a well, contrast you know. to the way
2: you are right now, Kim. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, she cried constantly, 24-7 and, uh, you know, obviously as a mum, especially with a a toddler and at home while dad was off at work, um, it could be quite draining. So as as soon as dad walked in the door, this baby was thrown at him, here, you take her, (laughs) you know, and she'd just scream all the more, you know, and uh, it reached a point where uh, he actually became quite... Upset by it, you know, he's a big bruising Scotsman, and um, you know they don't do emotion. But uh, <laughs> he was actually quite upset that uh, every well, time he had her, she would scream even more. So, of course, inevitably, she was thrown back at me, and he would do dinner, not me. So I got off that chore, I guess.
2: <laughs> oh, he um, would do dinner, yeah, so that you would hold yeah, Kim.
3: That's right. And um, you know, as I said, after the event, it fell into place, and we realised it was just because she probably didn't know him as well as me. Um, I was the main one that she knew by. Smell and you know my voice and and all of that. So, of course, with her dad being at work all day, she didn't build the same relationship quite so quickly with him.
2: So, as a father, you you know naturally want your child to be happy when you're around. That's right. And so that must have
3: smile a little bit and goo at him. But yeah, yeah, a little something. (laughs) You
2: work hard all day. You come home. You you, you know, you want to play with your kids. That's right. So that was kind of hard for him.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, we laugh about it now. But yeah, we do laugh about it now. I tell him that I still cry when he's around and, you know, he'll he'll sort of be like, oh yeah, you're a brat, you never liked me, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, we do, we do make, make light of it now, but it was a, it was a pretty big thing. And yeah, as mum said, it, it kind of fell into place once, once they knew that I couldn't see and, you know, with increasing exposure to my dad being around and, you know, just being forced into situations where I had to spend time with him, I eventually settled. But yeah, it was a, it was a pretty big problem for them at the time.
2: Well, one thing I know from being here in the studio with you that you have a wonderful sense of humor, oh, and uh, <laughs> you have had to because there were situations in your life where it was good to kind of look on the bright side of things. You've had some unique challenges, is that right?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I think everyone has their challenges, and there are definitely uh, things that are unique to to growing up blind that you might not necessarily think of. Things that I don't, you know, don't even necessarily think about until they happen to. So. So please yeah.
2: tell us what were some of these unique challenges that you faced that you can laugh about now.
1: Um, I had one once where I got my cane stuck in a pothole. Um, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> how does that happen? <laughs> I was just walking along and, um, yeah, I felt the grate. It was a bit of a landmark for me. I, I knew that I was kind of close to home when I when my cane hit that grate. And one day it just kind of got stuck underneath. and um,
2: It got stuck in, like, the, the, the hole in the grate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it got stuck underneath.
2: <laughs> and so... You need the cane to to, to walk, obviously, and yeah. it, and you couldn't because it was stuck.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what did you do?
3: Um. She's always done My oh. mum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I found I had, had, had a mobile phone at that stage. And made sure
3: she had a mobile phone for oh, the yeah. time she was travelling independently for, for our sake, <laughs> you know, as well as hers.
2: So what were you That's thinking? What am I going to do? It's a good thing this grate wasn't in, in the middle of the street. This was on mm. the sidewalk.
1: Yes. Yeah, um, it it probably wasn't so scary because I was only a couple of doors away from home. If I'd been somewhere where I didn't know where I was, I think the situation would have been vastly different. But mum came out to find me. Uh, I was in high school at the time, early years of high school, maybe year nine, and, um, I had my laptop on my shoulder, my school bag on my back. And I'm crouched, here like pulling the cane out of this, trying to get the cane out of this pothole. And it eventually came free and, you know, we called the council and asked them to come fix it and stuff.
2: Now, How about you, Sue? Were there any unique challenges being a parent um, of somebody who was blind since birth?
1: Yeah, well, I guess, you know, in a
3: sighted world, that's all we know, isn't it? Yeah. But um, obviously when you're presented with this, you know, we still learn every day things, you know, different ways to do things that perhaps we wouldn't have thought of before. Um, Obviously, even things as basic as reading, when your kids first start to go to school... She basically still learned how to read, the same as a sighted child would. It was just all through Braille, you mm, know, and yeah. we, I did try to learn at one stage, but it's like learning another language, so oh, yeah, <laughs> I kind yeah. of gave up. I still had the other children at home as well at the time, obviously, so life was busy with four kids, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. I definitely have recollections of, yeah, my teenage years, um, particularly like when I was watching other vision-impaired friends of mine catching trains and stuff, and I wanted to do it too. And I reckon there were times when my parents had a few mini heart attacks. No, more when than a few. <laughs> I heard about what I wanted, when they heard about what I wanted to do. I distinctly remember one time sneaking off out into Melbourne Central without parental permission. and Oh, wow. I sort of got in trouble. I think there was a bit of relief. But um, I distinctly recall going to get off the train and mum didn't kind of realise that only the door like for the side that you get off is unlocked and mum pressed you know saw me pressing the button for the door on the wrong side of the train and i just remember hearing a run-on going no it's this way you know so oh wow <laughs> i definitely remember situations like that you know growing up um going over to the uk on my own was another one that i think terrified mum you went wait wait
2: wait wait you went to the uk on your own yes sue
3: Yes, she did. I knew she'd be fine once she got the other end, and I knew, obviously, she was fine being put on the plane, but that bit in between, like that whole 24, 26 hours, whatever it was. By herself. By herself,
1: yeah. Yeah.
3: How was it, Yes, Um,
1: (laughs) It was both amazing and and terrifying. Um, I mean, I can't
2: imagine. I'm I'm just you know, closing my eyes, being on the plane. Well, they they bring stuff to you, but mm. you do have to go to the bathroom at some point. Yeah. I understand that there was an incident on an airplane <laughs> involving a bathroom that we can share on radio. Uh,
1: <laughs> would yeah. you like to
2: share that little incident?
1: Uh, yeah, that time I was about 12 or 13, and um, Mom, uh, I think by her own admission, hadn't really thought to tell me about the noise the toilet would make when we flushed it, and um
2: because they are rather loud. They're rather nice. loud.
1: and Yes. Little 13-year-old me needed the toilet. Mum took me and I came out shaking like a limbo. Mum, I think I've just blown the plane up. <laughs> 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 you thought you pressed the wrong button. Oh, she was. The poor
3: yeah, thing. I was terrified. She was terrified. So, she ate, went so She was having nightmares. <laughs> while it was after it. She'd I suddenly was. jump awake and, oh, I thought I was in the toilet again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is chatting with Kim Black, along with her mother, Sue, about some of the light-hearted experiences Kim's had going through life as a blind person. Next, Kim will share some of the more serious challenges she's faced, including being picked on in high school. That and more when we return. The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scatterbo chatting with Kim Black and her mother Sue about some of the challenges Kim's faced going through life as a blind person. Before the break, we had some of the light-hearted experiences she's had. Now we're going to hear about some of the more serious experiences she's gone through.
1: Yeah, I think probably going through school was when it really got hardest. Um, but young kids are just relentless and cruel at times.
2: Like picking on you and that kind of thing?
1: I did get picked on a lot. Um,
2: you did, or you didn't?
1: I did, yeah. Um, particularly in high school, was it was a really rough time, and um,
2: so you didn't go to a specialty school, where you were in the, the mainstream school?
1: Yeah, um, for the first three years, I went to Vision Australia and um, the Victorian Institute for the Blind, as it was at the time. But you know, once I'd sort of learnt enough Braille and things like that, I was sent out into the mainstream, which is actually something I'm really thankful for. I'm all in favour of mainstream education mm-hmm. where it can be possible. And I was, I was very well supported, but yeah, there were definitely challenges. I remember going through a, a phase where I didn't have an integration aide who could do Braille, so that, that presented problems. And yeah, as I say, relating to other students, there were a lot of social issues, so it was definitely hard, but I think it has strengthened me as well.
2: Wow. Kids can be cruel. I mean. They can. Yeah. And relentless. Yeah. Mm. And what are the most important things that you think our listeners should know about the experiences of somebody who's going through life blind.
1: I think um, openness is really important for someone like me. It's hard, it's scary, and you don't really feel like putting your life on the table for everyone to, to see. But I think people want to know. The vast majority of people want to be able to support you, and mm-hmm. you have to be able to let people in.
2: So, have you experienced things where people wanted to help you?
1: Yeah. Just I mean, strangers? Or? I mean, I talk about school and the difficulties that I face there, and I stand by those, but I definitely had a lot of teachers who went the extra mile as well. There Mm. were a lot of staff who really did everything they could. I have a distinct recollection of my year 11 maths teacher taking a Braille home and trying to Braille a maths test one day. Oh, wow. Um, Talk about (laughs) going the extra mile. It was very impressive. Um, You know, there are people who've got the best intentions and they've grabbed my arm to help me get onto a bus or something, but I haven't necessarily been expecting it. And so it's led to me falling over or something. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, there are times where, you know, you kind of need people to sort of step back. But there are a lot of really kind and, and well-meaning people out there and a lot of people who do want to help you. And it's just a matter of, one, I think being strong in advocating for yourself, but two, in educating them and showing them the right way. Because um, you don't want to put yourself find yourself in a situation where people are put off and scared to ask whether you need help because they're not sure how you're going to react you know you might just you could be independent yes but you might come across that one situation where you just need that hand
2: so you would be happy if people would say hey is there anything i can do to help you
1: yeah and you know i'm I'm quite comfortable to say no thanks um if i'm not in need of help but like i say you don't want to put people off and so there are times where i'll say yeah I, i do need a bit of help actually thanks
2: so just ask
1: just ask yeah
2: And Sue, anything you'd like to share for listeners that you've learned along this journey?
3: i I'll basically just reiterating what Kim said, you know, just being honest. I mean, um, I think, too, I mean, this is where I take my hat off to her because she is very good at self-advocacy. I Mm -hmm. don't know where she gets it from. (laughs) It's not from me. (laughs) Um, And and speaking her mind, Um, but also...
2: Yeah, she definitely speaks her mind. We've we've learned that She's she's
3: also (laughs) accepted her disability, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes not everyone is as willing to accept they Mm -hmm. do have a problem and try and do things the way that other people do. And the reality is you can't do that that, you know, there are ways that she needs to do things that are different from us. So, yeah, so as I said, that's where I take my hat off to her because uh, she's always accepted her disability and, um, you know, to the best of her ability, gets on with life and um, doesn't stop her doing anything that she wants to do. And uh, what more can you ask for, really?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I think I learned that Kim has a wicked sense of humor i guess you could say oh, <laughs> when uh, in the lunchroom she took her eye out and placed it on her phone and said look i have an iphone
1: <laughs> oh did i oh, okay i don't remember that one no, but i'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> i have a bit of fun with that i only have <laughs> only have my eyes removed very recently and you know sometimes acceptance comes with just finding the humor in that i definitely went through the grief and the the pain of that but um yeah, you know, like, there's some great pranks out there. People like, get on board. Uh, <laughs>
2: You're having some fun with it now. Yeah. Let's talk about your faith journey. So you were raised with Christian values, but you kind of went away from the Lord for a while. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So growing up, Mum in particular was a parent that really enforced those values. But my Mum's parents as well. I spent a lot of time with them growing up. I would often stay with them on the school holidays, and that meant you know Wednesday and Sunday services with Grandma and Granddad and. It was a time that I really loved and, yeah, I did wander from that. In my teenage years when things were tough, I was getting picked on at school and I was quite an angry girl. Um, I, I just kind of thought my life sucks. You know, if, if God's real, how could any of this stuff have happened to me? And um, in the midst of all that, there was a couple there who I had known from church previously from going to church with mum and they just were the most faithful ministers to me. And, yeah, there were times where I really didn't want to hear any of that Bible stuff. But coming from them, it wasn't so bad. There was a sincerity in everything they did and everything they said. And, yeah, it was it was really valuable um, because, you know, it kind of kept that, that bit of softening in my heart, I think. It, you know, and it, whenever I thought about them, it seemed to have some meaning still. And I, I wasn't sure what it was for me, but there was also a part of me that was curious too.
2: Now, would you say you have a close relationship with your Heavenly Father?
1: I would, yeah. I'm learning every day, and it's a progression. It can also be a challenge. It's required a level of of vulnerability that uh, I didn't ever want to deal with, but I have a real passion for it. And I know I'm not perfect, but yeah, I just want to keep growing and keep learning and keep seeing what God's got planned for me.
2: And speaking of that, you are a student at a Bible school at the moment?
1: Yeah, I'm studying at Melbourne School of Theology, yep.
2: And what are you studying?
1: Um, It's a Diploma of Christian Studies.
2: And what led to your decision to go to that school?
1: Uh, It's funny. um, As a young kid, I said I wanted to be a pastor. So you
2: were that strong in loving the Lord and in your faith that you wanted to be a pastor at one point, but then, as you shared, you kind of got mad at him and walked away from him for a while.
1: Yeah, yeah. So... um, a lot of my family have recollections of me running around, you know, as a as an eight or nine year old child saying that what I wanted to do was to be a pastor. But then yeah, as time progressed I walked away and that ambition was kinda of lost and I went through all different ideas in high school. I was gonna be a lawyer, a psychologist, or this, that and the other. When I left school, I got accepted to do a Bachelor of Arts and a week before I was meant to start my course at university I decided I wasn't going anymore. Oh, why was that? Didn't want to. Because <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't want to. It just didn't seem right. So I just didn't. And the next few months were pretty hard. I spent them just job hunting and doing a lot of not much else. And it was kind of during that time that I went back to church. Um, I mentioned having a a couple that ministered to me in high school. And unfortunately, the husband's passed away now, but I'm still in contact with, with the lady. And it was her who took me back to church. And I don't know. I was very cautious about church. Like my attitude genuinely was that yeah, I'm curious and I want to find out what this is about myself as an adult. But I've got to make sure I don't get too caught up in all the Bible nonsense. So my guard was definitely up. And then, as time progressed, I kind of softened and found faith. I found a Bible study group that I was going to, and during that time, I spent a lot of time applying for jobs. That you know, like I had one job that I wasn't super happy in, and a lot of the others were just falling through, and. It was sort of when I got sick, I mentioned that I only had my eyes out recently Mm -hmm. and uh, listened to a lot of sermons and read a lot of the scriptures during that time. And I thought, I really want to learn more about this. And again, um, God placed some really valuable people in my life that just had the most incredible faith and were praying for me and caring for me. And I thought, "I, I just want more of this. I haven't had enough yet. But I suppose for a while there was always that doubt that I wasn't good enough to go to Bible college and that's something that I still wrestle with even though I'm there. There's a lot of things that challenge me and that I'm scared of, but I did end up going to Bible college and I'm really thankful for everything that's happening there. Now,
2: Now, if somebody's listening today and they maybe have a disability or just some challenge in their life and they can identify with the period you went through where you were kind of mad at God, you know, God, how could you let this happen to me? What would you share with them?
1: I would say that it's important to stay open, even at times where you're just like, yeah, whatever, Um, as I so often was. Yeah, I was blessed to have people who were genuine and sincere in in what they believed, and that was evident in all that they did. And so I would just say to stay open to that, even though it might all be too hard. Um, You know, to me, it led to further investigation on my part, and it led to me finding faith. You just never know what will happen.
2: And finally, what led to you? Sitting in the studio, and me hearing this. <laughs> We're
1: back to that. <laughs> We're back
2: to that. Uh, hearing this. Desktop folder view with transcription software. What led to you being here in the radio studio?
1: Um, I started volunteering at Reach Beyond, another Christian radio station. Um, I got that uh, sort of little position through a couple that I went to church with. I've actually recently changed churches, but. Yeah, a couple that I met at church at the time. And it was pretty amazing the way it all came out. I was really kind of wrestling with God and with myself. Um, I was in a paid job at the time and I was sort of going through this, you know, should I resign, should I not? You know, I'm going to Bible college soon. And I elected to resign and then a couple of days later I got this email saying, we have a need at Reach Beyond for someone to do some transcription, are you interested? And I kind of went, oh, well, I quit my job for my studies, but yeah, I will do this. And... um so it all progressed from there. I have been doing that for maybe six months. And, yeah, it's it's led to some really good opportunities like this one. And um,
2: and speaking of opportunities for greedy, selfish purposes, I'm hoping that you learn how to edit. We're hoping to get you some uh, editing software for the blind Yeah, because I know that you could do it in half the time that I could.
1: <laughs> I think it would be something that would... Definitely play to my strengths, and yeah, just to find, you know, even initially to have been blessed with a skill set that could could help someone else. I think one thing I grappled with was how how can I serve in the body of Christ? And um, oh, I
2: I have ideas.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm always. A boy, does she know her way around a computer? She leaves us for dead. I tell you. <laughs> well,
2: that was one of the things I heard that the other day that you were in here working on the computer, and obviously you're listening to that fast voice, yeah. and one of your Coworkers here came in and, and said, Hey, what are you doing? The monitor isn't on.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. I had no idea.
2: <laughs> Which, of course, you don't need the monitor, right? And, nah, you, and nah. you don't need the uh, the shades open and all these other things that we just take for granted.
1: Oh, I can see better in the dark, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and you're all being very selfish, making me turn lights on and stuff.
2: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, we just want to encourage you. You are very courageous. Thank you so much for sharing, Kim Black, and also your mother, Sue.
1: Thank you
0: you. That was Eric Scatterbo chatting with Kim Black And her mother Sue About Kim's life as a blind person But as we heard Kim can see But just in a different way Her spiritual eyes have been opened And she now has a growing relationship With her Heavenly Father And is eager to serve Him Good on you Kim And to be honest, it's been fascinating learning about what life would be like in Kim's shoes. Doing everyday activities that we take for granted can be a huge challenge when you're not able to see. However, Kim overcomes these obstacles in amazing ways and I'm happy to say that Kim and her mother Sue will be joining us again next time to share more insights, including (laughs) the time Sue was in the back seat of a car while Kim was driving it. You don't want to miss that conversation. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story
3: you get in thinking oh yeah i'll do this it's okay there's a driving instructor there and then when you're going at 120k knowing that your blind daughter is driving you you're thinking (laughs) stop i want to get off
0: (laughs) once again kim black and her mother sue will share more of kim's life journey as a blind person we'll hear more about how she daily overcomes obstacles in everyday life that most of us don't face and would have no idea how to deal with Kim has even learned how to navigate her way around using something called echolocation. All that and more with Kim Black and her mother Sue next time. The story, story. just another way vision is connecting faith to life.